Hey, welcome to the Spring Hills podcast feed. Today, we've got a sermon replay for you. We now put our sermons on the podcast feed, so you can have easy access to it. Uh, you can go to the Spring Hills app under media, and you can find the podcast feed there, uh, so you can listen to the sermons easily while you're driving to work. You can listen to them on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can find your podcast. We we have our feed up. So uh, the sermons are now available to you on the podcast feed. And then, of course, we talk a lot about the sermons throughout our episodes. So those are always good to, to catch up on. If you missed last weekend at church, you can listen to Pastor Brett's sermon here on the feed and then listen to the following episode of the Spring Hills podcast. So check out this message from this past weekend. Good to see you. It's a nice day and um, happy Easter, everybody. Think about Easter. I know what my theme is today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's an important thing to point out, I would say, that uh, the events of the resurrection are historical fact, that the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have their record. They were eyewitnesses. They were there. We have their record in the New Testament of what happened when Mary and Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early in the morning, and it's all recorded, you know, that the stone had been taken away, that there were two angels, and the angel said, well, why do you look for the living among the dead? And Jesus appeared to them, and it's all written down, because I want you to um, be encouraged that Jesus, in fact, rose from the dead. This is not just a time where we kind of go, hey, it's springtime, and church is a nice place to be, and, and resurrection is sort of an idea, you know, sort of a feeling we have with, with this time of changing in the year, and that's what it is. No, it's not. It's a literal historical event. Christ rose from the dead, and of course, it makes all the difference. It's what makes Christianity Christianity. Jesus Christ claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to have come from heaven, that God was his Father. He came to this earth, he died for our sins on the cross, and then after dying for our sins, he rose from the dead and is coming again. There's no other religion in the world whose founder rose from the dead. You can go visit their tomb today. They're all dead. The only thing they left was some teaching and some philosophy. That's all they left. Christianity has the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's not just his teaching, it's a relationship with him. The risen Lord, a relationship with him, is what makes Christianity what it is. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you today for the resurrection. We thank you today that the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, came into this world so that we'd know you love us, so that we would know that you care for us. And then having given his life for the payment of our sins, rose from the dead. Thank you for this wonderful truth. We just celebrate it today in Jesus' name. Amen. So he rose from the dead. One illustration of this, I'm not going to take the accounts of the resurrection per se, but there is an illustration of it from John chapter 11, and this is what I mean by that. In John chapter 11, Jesus meets with and has a close relationship with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, okay? They were three close friends of Jesus and the disciples. They often went over to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house for dinner, 
Okay, when Jesus, uh, Mary and Martha lived in Bethany, which was only a couple of miles from Jerusalem, and when the disciples were on their way to Jerusalem for feast days and all of that, they would stop over and have dinner. And so Mary, Martha, Lazarus became just close friends. All right, well, when we get to John 11, what's happened is that Lazarus has become sick, very sick. Jesus is close to him. Jesus knows him. And, but Jesus is out of town. So they send word. Uh, Jesus is a day's journey across the Jordan River with his disciples doing other things. They send word, Lazarus is sick. Okay, you need to come. It says, so the sister sent to him, Mary and Martha sent to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. It's Lazarus. And so... When Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. What's going on here? Jesus gets the note okay, from Mary and Martha. Lazarus is sick. You must come now. Come now. And Jesus makes the statement with his other disciples, this statement right here. It's an amazing one. This illness will not lead to death. Actually, it will lead to death. This will not lead to death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Lazarus will die, but not die permanently. He's going to raise him from the dead. And it's all for the glory of God. Now, in John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man who's blind. He's born blind. And it's an amazing story of another one of Jesus' miracles. So the guy's born blind, Jesus it's going to open his eyes, and the disciples, his followers, say, who sinned? I mean, his dad or his mom, and he ended up blind. And they had it in their mind, you know, somebody sinned, some generation sinned, and then he ends up blind, and Jesus says, neither of them, but it's so that the works of God might be displayed in him. But notice the next verse. Jesus says, it says this, so when he heard, he got the note, he gets the note that Lazarus is ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So he doesn't get the note and rush home. He gets the note and stays two more days. Who does that? I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> if you get a note, oh, somebody needs you. They're sick. Get home. You know, I got to make plans. You got to get home. Jesus like, waits two more days. Why does he wait? He waits because Lazarus is ill and by waiting two days, Lazarus will die. You say, well, how cruel? How cruel is that? How cruel is this? I mean, I've had people call me and they'll say, so-and-so, you know, is on hospice, just went into hospice care. Can you come? The family wants you to pray for them and pray for the person who's under hospice and all that. Well, what do I do? I mean, I like get my act together and I get there as soon as I can. And uh, because the time is short and all of that. And the family appreciates it. Jesus gets that note and he waits two days. And in the meantime, Lazarus dies. Now, why is he doing that? He's doing it for a couple of reasons. He's going to raise him from the dead, which is like super miracle. He can go and he can rush and heal him. And that's a miracle, right? But <clears throat> what he's going to do is far greater than that. He's going to let Lazarus die, and then he's going to show up, and he's going to raise him from the dead. And that's going to bring glory to God. It's going to, the people are going to be amazed at that miracle. Mary and Martha's faith is going to, is going to grow and soar because they're going to see who Jesus really is. 
the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God. I mean, this miracle is going to cause them to come to faith in a way that they hadn't before. Now, let me just make an application. Sometimes God delays so that he gets the glory when he answers, right? We pray for things, we ask God for things, and it's like, come on, Lord, answer me today. I've been praying for 10 minutes. It should be him. <laughs> We're always in such a rush to get an answer from God, and sometimes he delays. Why? Because he's mean? Because he doesn't love you? No, it's because he does love you, and he wants you to see that it was him who did it. You know, I shared with the Sunrise Service our property here, you know, this church property is pretty amazing. It's 60 acres, and, and uh, I, was, I was thinking back the process of buying this property as a church, right? Buying all this, and then getting a use permit, which took us two years to get a use permit. And uh, then having to get, get the use permit to get it ready to occupy, so that included parking lots and all that stuff. And uh, we bought it in 2005. We moved in five years later. And we didn't have any money, okay, for any of this. But the point is, it was God sometimes that we would be waiting on the Lord for an answer, a provision, a decision. We'd be waiting on him to the very last minute. And I was like, you know, I'm like, oh boy, I'm done. It's over. My career's over. It's all going to collapse. And then God would answer and provide. And he was in it. So why? Why did he do that? Oh, the spotlight goes on him. <laughs> it's his glory. It's his honor. People have said to me over the years, you know, like, wow, this is an amazing facility. Uh, you're quite the leader, they'll say to me. You know, like, you got a lot of vision. And uh, how'd you pull all this off? And I just laugh. I literally laugh. I go, this is so much God. This is so God. Well, he wants to do the same thing in your life. He wants you to give him glory. And that's why he waits. Martha heard that Jesus was coming finally after the two days. Lazarus is dead. Jesus comes. Martha, the oldest of the three, goes to meet him. Mary stayed at home. She comes out and says to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You'd been here. You'd been here, you know. You could have healed him like you've healed so many other people, the blind man and the nobleman's son and all these people. You Just like you healed others if you were here. But now that he's dead, there's nothing we can do. I mean, that's... God, he's dead, so... We just have to grieve it, and we just have to deal with it. He's dead. There's nothing you can do. Oh, there's a lot he can do. <laughs> oh, oh, you have no idea what he can do. You have no idea what he's about to do, the Son of God. Now, some of you are in situations in your life where you feel like that. It's like, there's no hope. We say this all the time. There's no hope. Relational graveyards of people that you've been in conflict with over the years, and now it's gone, it's over, you'll never speak to them again. You just say, that's, that's, that's a dead deal, you know, or it's a dead situation. Want, nothing's going to change. We even say about ourselves, I'll never change. Situation with ourselves or others, and 
hopeless situation. Oh, if you had been here, you could have done something. But now, you ever say that to God? Don't ever say that to God. This is what you say to God. Nothing's impossible with you, God. Nothing's impossible with you. Doesn't matter the timing of things. You can do anything. And Jesus gently rebukes Martha here. In verse 23, Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know. He'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Martha, Martha, don't you realize that I am the resurrection and the life? Who is Jesus Christ? Who is he? Well, he is the eternal son. The scripture says that Jesus Christ was present at creation. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word became flesh. Through Him all things that exist have He created, with the Father, with the Spirit. Jesus is life. He gives life. He sustains life. Everything created gets its life from Him. He's the Son of God. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you too, even though you die, will have Life, what a, what a promise. What a, I mean, this is what we need to hear today. We need to hear that. And there are, there are seven I am statements in the Gospel of John, seven miracles in John's Gospel, and seven I am statements around which Jesus reveals the purpose for which he came. This is the fifth of the seven. The first one is in John chapter 6, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life that's come down from heaven. Just like manna came down from heaven and fed the Israelites, I am the bread of life. You know, he who eats of me, essentially, believes in me, will live forever. In John chapter 8, Jesus proclaims in Jerusalem, I am the light of the world. He who believes in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John chapter 9, I'm the gate to the sheep. The sheep hear my voice. The sheep know me. I know them. I lead them out to pasture. John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd here. John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. The next one comes in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except me. And then the final one, John 15, I am the true vine. You're the branches. Every branch that divides in me will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the point is, do you want life? Do you want eternal life? So that even though you were to die, you would live eternally. It's what the Scripture teaches. The grave is not the end. It's really not the end for anybody. Sometimes we like to think of that, you know, that, oh, I'll just... Die, and that's it. I'll be fertilizer, ultimately, I guess. I'll die, and that's it. Annihilation, in other words. The Bible doesn't teach that anywhere. I I think some people comfort themselves with the idea of, I'll live my life, and then I'll die, and that's it. The Scripture doesn't say that. This is what You know what the Scripture says? That all of us, (laughs) when Christ comes back, 
are raised to face a judgment. Like they're woken up. So here's this poor guy who's been in unbelief his whole life. I don't believe that stuff. I don't want that stuff. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to get old and I'm going to die and that's it. And so they do that and thinking that it's over. And then the Lord wakes them up for the judgment. Time to get up. What a shock that's going to be. Are you with me? When you're woken up, you want to be ready? I can tell you how to be ready for that. You can be ready for that by having Jesus Christ as your Savior, so that when you're woken up, it's for eternal life, not for judgment. I digress a little bit, I think, here. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe that? The word believe in the Gospel of John appears 98 times. 98 times. John, who was there, who was a disciple, this is an eyewitness account. This is not third person. This is not some fable. This is written, the Gospel of John, by somebody who was an eyewitness to all these events. And John writes his Gospel to convince us that Jesus Christ came from God, God's his Father, he is the Savior, and that by believing in him, we can have eternal life, forgiveness of sins. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe. This is what I would want everyone in this room to be able to say, and outside. She said, I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the promised Savior. I believe you are the provision for my sin, the Son of God, you are eternal Son of God, I believe, who is coming into the world. That's the statement that brings a person from death to life. That's a statement that brings a person from darkness into glorious light. That's a statement that brings a person from condemnation to eternal life. I believe you are the Son of God. And this story is recorded here for us to convince us. And so as a good preacher, I'm trying to convince you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> when Mary came to where Jesus was, she saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Remember, it's Mary, Martha, Lazarus. Lazarus has died Martha was the first one out to greet Jesus as he was coming into town. She goes back, tells Mary secretly, uh, Jesus is, is coming. He wants to talk to you now. Why this out-of-town thing? You know, I mean, why, why does Jesus just come right in? Well, the reason is because the Jews, he left town at the end of chapter 10 because the Jews were trying to kill him. And he slipped out away from them and went a day's journey away. Now he's coming back because of Lazarus. And so he's out of town. He's, he's like, what's going to happen? Well, it wouldn't be probably, what, a couple of weeks later that Jesus would be crucified. So they meet him outside of town. Mary now, the other sister, comes out. She's, she's distraught, fell at his feet. She's, she's weeping. The Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. It's a... You know, it's a scene that we've been a part of. I mean, funerals, right? I mean, you just people are 
are together, a lot of a lot of family, a lot of friends that are together. In that culture in the first century, they would grieve together for like a week. It wasn't just one service and then we're done. You know, it was like uh, meals together and grieving. And, and uh, so when Jesus shows up, everybody's just like uh, weeping, crying. Mary's at his feet, weeping and all that. When Jesus saw her such, notice he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. This is very interesting here. Jesus is moved in his spirit and he's greatly troubled. <clears throat> you have to ask the question, well, why would he be so troubled if he's going to, and we'll read it he's in a minute, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead in this dramatic miracle. Why would he be so troubled? And when you read commentaries on this, they will say and point out, and, they, and I, I would agree with those who comment on this, is that Jesus Christ is witnessing, as we do, but witnessing the pain of this world. You know, it's his close friends are so distraught, and, and there's loss, and, and it's, it's not the way God wants it, and sin has affected the world. Our own, our own falling away in disobedience to God has resulted in all this, and Jesus is, is troubled by it. By the way, he understands if you've lost someone. We have people in our church, you've lost some, somebody over the last year or recently or last couple of years. And Jesus is moved, troubled by this. You know, other commentators suggest that, in, as we said, in a couple of weeks, he's going to go to the cross to die for us as sinners. And this event is, is sort of one of those impetus events for Jesus to go to redeem it all. When Jesus died for sinners and we accept him as our Savior, you know, there's a coming day when he returns and the new heaven, the new earth begin, where everything is redeemed. There's no more tears. The last book in the Bible, the, the book of Revelation says this, that he makes all things new. They'll be in the new heaven, the new earth. No tears, no crying, no pain, no death, no separations, no painful breakups, no cancer, no dementia, you know, I mean, just, there's not, there's no more pain. Why? Because this world, the way it is, troubles, troubles God. It troubled Jesus. Of course, he's made a way. He's made a way. And after the good news of the gospel is presented to the whole world, and everybody's had an opportunity to hear what you're hearing today, after that gospel is spread and been proclaimed throughout the world, Jesus returns and the eternal state begins. I can't wait. By the way, you know, some of us who feel like we're getting older, rejoice. You're one day closer to that day. <laughs> huh? I mean, seriously. Sometimes you look in the mirror and we're like, what's happening to me? And just remember, <laughs> you're like, speak for yourself, Pastor. Uh, no. He's coming soon. <laughs> Jesus is, is very troubled. He says, well, where have you laid him? Where's Lazarus? Let's go to his tomb. And Jesus, so they said, come and see. And Jesus wept. Look at this, verse 35. Jesus wept. Who is Jesus Christ? He is, <clears throat> he is the eternal son of God come into this earth, taking on human flesh through the virgin birth. Jesus Christ is fully human and he's also fully divine. All the fullness of deity of God dwelt in him. He is two natures in one person, unmixed, undiluted. 
I know, a mystery, profound. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. And you see in this passage, the son of man. You see his humanity. He's, he's weeping. He's troubled. He's burdened. And now he's going to go over to Lazarus' tomb and call him out. That's like the son of God. You get it? His, his two natures are evident here. Then Jesus came, de deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. You don't want to take the stone away. In Jewish culture, when people died, they buried him right away. They didn't. They didn't embalm people like the Egyptians did, or like we do. You know, somebody dies, we embalm them, put them in a suit, nice makeup, and do the best we can. Uh, but in the first century, they die, get them in. They don't do that. Get them. So get them in the cave, <clears throat> covered up as quickly as, as possible. Wrap them up. So Martha's just saying, you know. It's been four days. This is not going to be pretty. I love this. Jesus lightly, kindly rebukes her, rebukes her and says, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Why are you doubting? You know? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they, and here it is again, may believe that you sent me. So here's Jesus, here's the tomb, here's Martha, here's Mary, here's a whole bunch of other people that were there. And Jesus looks up to heaven and thanks the Father, his Father, his Father, that he always hears him. And he says it, he said, I said this so that they would all believe, understand that this, I came from God. And then the, the climactic event, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Ooh, I would have wanted, I would love to be there for this. The man who had died, Lazarus, came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. With a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him, let him go. He's free. You know, God, there's a picture here. I mean, God, when God calls somebody for salvation, it's like taking somebody who's spiritually dead and calling them to life. This picture is throughout the Gospel of John. The shepherd calls his sheep by name. The sheep hear the voice. They hear it and they follow. Scripture says that in sin, we're spiritually dead. Spiritually dead in sin. And it's the voice of God, the mercy of God, that calls you out for salvation. And if anyone hears this good news today, it's because the voice of God is coming to you. Because you, and I don't know you, but you know, spiritually, you are dead. You are dead. You're dead in sin trespasses, you're captivated by your own sin and lust, and you just sense it in yourself, you're, you're just spiritually, there's an odor, and you want cleansing, and you want freedom, 
You want deliverance, and here it is. Respond to the voice of God and come out of that grave. And he'll make you alive, and he will cleanse you, and you will become a sweet-smelling aroma to him. This is just an illustration of what Jesus is. He promises resurrection for those who believe in him. He would be raised from the dead after his crucifixion, of course. But what does this say to us? A couple of things. One, God loves you far more than you can imagine. I think the weeping of Jesus, the troubled heart of Jesus, even waiting two more days in order to demonstrate his glory to Mary and Martha so that they might truly believe as an act of love and mercy. By the way, I think there's something bigger going on than just an Easter service for you today. I mean, if, if it, what happened with Lazarus was for the glory of God, then I believe God has brought you for something bigger than just pancakes and sausage, which, by the way, they're, they're, they're really good this year. I, I told us I'm going to look like a pancake by the last service. I'm just... <laughs> There's always something bigger that God's doing. You get it? You're not here for just Sunday church. You're here because the gospel is being presented to you. You're here because God loves you. You're here because God, there's a message for you. That's the bigger thing. And Jesus came to give you life. You know, John says this, or Jesus says this, actually. Whoever believes in me, this is John chapter 3, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, whoever does not. Obey the Son, shall not see light, but the wrath of God remains on him. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. This is chapter 20, towards the end of the Gospel of John. He did many signs, John says, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. Jesus told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Martha, do you believe this? Let me ask you, do you believe this? Let's pray together. Lord, we again thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the death of Christ, which satisfies our sin debt forever. And through him, we can be freed We believe that you are the Son of God. We believe you are the Christ. I know there are some in here today that this is maybe the first time you've been to church in a long time, perhaps, maybe ever. This is the first time you're hearing the good news of the gospel, that God loves you, Christ came for you, that there is life beyond this life. This life is not all there is. And the eternal life is yours through believing believing that Jesus really is the Son of God. So I want to lead you in a prayer now. And I want you to pray with me. If this reflects the belief in your heart, just in your heart, say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you came from heaven. I believe God the Father and the Spirit and you have existed for all eternity. You died for sinners like me. I accept your saving work and I praise you for who you are 
Lord, I believe. I believe. Save me. And God, we just pray that the truth of the resurrection and your second coming will just burn in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.